this is Emily. And this is Bridget. And you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Major shout out and huge thank you to everyone in Colorado who came out to our powerful women in podcasting panel on Tuesday night this week. It was so awesome to share a powerful space with so many rad Sminty listeners who came out to say hello. So shout out to you if you came out to that event. And many thanks to Kat Jaffe of House of Pod, who organized the event, as well as my fellow panelists there, Barry of Podcasts in Color, and Claire and Joy, the fitness duo behind the podcast Girls Gone Wad. That's W-O-D, Wad as in Workout Daily. It was such a blast to hang out with y'all in person, and I hope we can do it again soon. Today's conversation is a similar kind of shout out episode (laughs) in that we are just bringing some love to today's conversation for a few absolutely incredible women who are currently representing Team USA in the 2018 Winter Olympics. That's right, Emily. I couldn't be more excited to shout out these awesome dynamic women of color who are really doing their part to change the face of how we think about winter sports. Exactly. And it's so critical that we shine a spotlight on women of color of the Women Olympics, because in the past, the Winter Olympics have looked pretty darn white. And as much as we'd love to give a shout out and tell the stories of every amazing woman of color at the Olympics this year, we are sticking to the U.S. team so that we can basically not be here all day. (laughs) Um, But there are so many great American women of color who are representing Team USA that we wanted to shine a spotlight on their incredible achievements. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm definitely guilty of spreading the misnomer that winter sports are things that white people do. Growing up, we never really went skiing. We never did ice skating. And I sort of got into my head that those were things that black folks didn't do. I also grew up hearing the misnomer that black folks don't really jive with the cold. And so, again, you can see how these cultural misconceptions that I myself am guilty of holding and perpetuating can keep this particular subset of sports to be thinking of as kind of a white thing. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, that misconception isn't grounded in nothing, because if you look at the 9.4 million skiers in the United States, 72 percent of them are white. So, I mean, skiing is also, from a socioeconomic standpoint, such a privileged sport. It's a hard thing to get into because it's expensive, especially when you go for just a day, right? A lift ticket on a daily basis is super expensive, but a lift ticket on a season pass level, as I am the proud new owner of, is super affordable. But it's sort of like a barrier to entry in terms of, especially if you're urban dwelling, quite frankly, access to ski mountains and all the expenses that come along with it is a pretty high barrier to entry. Right. And if you just don't grow up having these kinds of winter sports be part of your everyday, like you don't grow up going to the mountain every weekend or whatever, you can sort of see how that perpetuates this idea that it's something that's not for you. And that's probably why you don't see more folks of color getting involved because of these different barriers that just have it so that it's not an everyday part of your upbringing. Exactly. One of the incredible Olympians who we're going to talk more about today, Aaron Jackson, said when offering advice to young athletes of color who hoped 
to compete internationally. She said, quote, don't let the representation or lack thereof deter you from getting out there and trying these sports. Even if you don't see other athletes out there, it's always nice to be the first, which she knows a thing or two about. So I love that this year's boundary-breaking Olympic athletes are in so many ways changing the look of the Winter Olympics. In the past, it was really dominated by wealthy Nordic and Scandinavian countries. And even now, the Winter Olympics only include less than half as many countries as the Summer Olympics. So, you know, from a global standpoint, there's a lack of representation. From a racial standpoint, per the countries that compete in the Winter Olympics, there's also been a historic lack of representation, which is part of what gets me so excited about these incredible women and the changing look of the Winter Olympics this year. Totally. I'm so excited that these women are finally getting their due and helping to really flip the script on this narrative. Because if you're a little black girl or a little brown girl watching these amazing powerhouse athletes kick it on the snow and on the ice, you might grow up thinking that could be me one day. And so something I always like to remind folks is you don't know who's watching and who you are planting that seed within that this could be something that they could do. And part of me wishes a young Bridget Todd had maybe seen more girls that looks like me out on the ice. I have to confess, I'm not super into the Olympics in general. I mean, this year has really been, you know, I, I mean... It sounds bad. I just love it when black women win, right? So <laughs> I'm like, wake me up when a black woman wins so I can be like, yes, go girl, get it, blah, blah, blah. It. And then any other time I'm like, Olympics what? Olympics who? So that's my, that's my confession. <laughs> Not watching the primetime coverage every night. Not at all. <laughs> but I know when one of us wins and then I'm all of a sudden Bob Costas. I'm like, let me break down what happened in this. In this bobsled, historic black women's win. Yeah, overnight uh, snowboarding expert Bridget Todd is here to weigh in on how incredible this Pretty is. Pretty much. I love it. I mean, this year's Winter Olympics are extraordinary when it comes to how much representation of, of folks of color, people of color, are competing this year. However, before we get too excited and before we share with you some of the standout extraordinary athletes who are competing on behalf of Team USA. I think we should also temper those uh, cheers for a moment with a quick reality check on the numbers. Out of nearly 3,000 athletes competing at this year's games, black athletes, and this isn't just black women, this is black athletes in general, make up just 1.45% of those vying for medals, according to BuzzFeed. Non-white athletes, meaning... Black, Asian American Olympians, etc., account for just under 9% of the American team. So it's great and historic and all of that, but let's not get too excited. It really demonstrates how much further we actually have to go to get racial parity on this issue. I am all about celebrating the awesome achievements of these awesome women, but I want to keep it real that we have a long way to go. Yeah, exactly. And as to your prior point, you know, people can't be what they can't see. So I think progress begets progress on a thing like this. When we see more people represented of different backgrounds and different races and different sexualities, which has also been kind of groundbreaking uh, in this year's Olympics, it gives permission to others to see themselves in that light as well. Yeah. Maybe I could be a little future Olympian someday. Yeah. There are lots of children who are saying that right now. I hope that's true. I hope there's little brown and black girls out there thinking that's going to be me. Yes, me too. If you, Sminty listener, know a little black or brown girl who's got those kinds of vibes going, we want to see the photos. We want to see her. Um, so share her story with us after today's episode. So let's get down to it, right? There are 
two women who I am especially excited about for this year's Winter Olympics, and that is Alana Myers-Taylor and Lauren Gibbs. And I have to put in a little disclaimer here because I am very biased uh, in that I adore Lauren Gibbs because when I was a little college freshman entering my freshman year at Brown University on the volleyball team, Lauren Gibbs was my senior captain. And she was by far the strongest member of our team. She was a lefty like me. She was a right side player like me. And she was all my goals embodied into one human being. And so to see my former college captain of the volleyball team ascend to new heights, granted in a totally different sport, has been an amazing years long sort of journey that I've I've borne witness to. So is she just a, an amazing athlete writ large? Like whether it's volleyball or winter sports or whatever. She's like good at whatever she touches. She basically. is fierce. Okay. She got really into CrossFit. And I think that's part of how she was discovered in some ways. But let me back up for a second and mention that Alana and Lauren are competing in this year's U.S. bobsled team. And going from volleyball to bobsledding is not, you know, not a simple, I think, thing to do. But what's fascinating is that Alana Myers-Taylor is a veteran of the sport. She has long been one of the most powerful pilots in the sport writ large. She competed in the Vancouver and Sochi Olympics, as well as numerous world championships that she was a part of. Uh, and she was on the hunt for her teammate. You know, she was sort of looking and searching for and taking a very active part in grooming the next champion to be her teammate. So it's really cool to see her paired with Lauren Gibbs, who has been training very hard for years now to qualify and make this year her Olympic debut. The pair are a spotlight in terms of the strengths that they bring to the table. One, a seasoned veteran, and one, described by NBC as a, quote, eager first-time Olympian, which is a major understatement knowing Lauren. I just got to make a quick plug here. You know how they always do those female reboots of movies, like female Ghostbusters, female this? I would die for someone doing a cool running style oh, reboot of black God. women bobsledders. Yes. This thing writes itself. It does. Who would you cast as? Obviously those two. Yeah. I mean, well, I... Who, who would you, like, if they were in the movie, who oh. would play your friend Lauren? I don't think anyone could play <laughs> Lauren Gibbs, but Lauren Gibbs. Okay. Knowing these women and knowing Lauren, especially, there's no one who can do it like her. If you're a Hollywood agent out there, call them. <laughs> make this, them. Make this movie happen. Please. We're dying for a cool runnings reboot. And actually, isn't this year Jamaican bobsledding happening at the Winter Olympics? Yes, it is. So wait. Okay, Smitty listeners, I have to level with you. We just took a quick break to look up the details around the Jamaican bobsledding team because we were right. This is the first year that Jamaica was putting up a women's bobsledding team, which is extraordinary. Talk about women of color at the Olympics. And yet the headline we just came up against is... 2018 Winter Olympics, Jamaican bobsled coach quits, says she owns team sled. So basically the coach is like, not only am I out, I'm taking that sled with me. (laughs) I'm taking the sled. Oh my goodness, it's awful. Uh, It's hard out there for a bobsledder. (laughs) Seriously, I hope it all works out. But this is a developing story. You can always count on Sminty for your late-breaking Jamaican bobsled team news and updates. (laughs) Stay tuned for more. We should really be um, the announcers for the Olympics. What are they yeah, called? The, we, I think that commentators. You, yeah, you would be Tara Lupinski. I would be Johnny Weir. Oh, yeah. Also, shout, 
Side note. Shout out to Johnny Weird's headphones. Or amazing. Head, amazing. Right? I love that they, you watch something and it's like these, this beautiful display and they're both so unimpressed. Like, yeah, they're like, that was trash. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get back at it. <laughs> to refocus here on the incredible Alana Myers and Lauren Gibbs, a little background on Alana. She actually played softball at GWU right around the corner from here um, before she became one of the world's top bobsledders and a decorated Olympian. She didn't just compete in those world championships and at the Olympics. She also medaled there. She won the bronze medal at the 2010 Winter Olympic Games uh, as a part of the two-woman bobsled team. So now she's back. She's hungry for more. But what's really interesting is the Washington Post did this great article kind of chronicling her come up. And she says that the hardest part of her job is constantly looking for talent. She says, quote, I'll do whatever I need to do to bring more athletes into this sport. Because according to the USA women's bobsled coach, Sepp Plaza, she says, quote, you never can have enough people and athletes coming in to try out. That is what we live for. Really not enough athletes in the United States grow up bobsledding (laughs) to field a national team. So the Federation has to work double time on recruitment efforts um, and really convince them that their path to the Olympics comes in the form of bobsledding. It's a really interesting persuasion campaign. But, I mean, that makes sense because what kind of kid grows up thinking they're going to bobsled their way to the Olympics? <laughs> Very seems, few. Yeah, that seems so unlikely. But what I love about that is the investment in lifting up new talent. And so, you know, one of our sort of de facto sayings on the show is lift as you climb. I love that she's not just thinking about herself. She says, I need to get a team together. How can I develop and foster new talent and make sure folks know this is an, it may sound unlikely, but it is an avenue and a sport that you could actually do. Exactly. And what I love about how Lauren got into the picture here is that I actually interviewed her for a bossed up webinar that we were hosting a few years ago now because of the fascinating career transition story that she has behind her. Lauren Gibbs has an MBA from Pepperdine. Lauren Gibbs was crushing it on a corporate career trajectory when she was persuaded to leave that behind to train full time for the Olympics. Can you imagine that conversation at your dinner table? Mom, Dad, I have some big news. I'm leaving my successful corporate gig. Oh, what am I doing? I'm going to be a professional bobsledder. Chasing bobsled glory. (laughs) I know. It's insane. It's amazing. It's really insane. And Lauren herself has said, and I quote, I had a corporate job and wore a suit to work every day. And I just kind of felt like I wasn't living my authentic self or doing what I was passionate about. At the time, she was living in Denver, of all places, uh, working as a sales manager for an online retailer and doing CrossFit as a hobby. Now, granted, when Lauren does anything as a hobby, she crushes it. So she was making waves in the CrossFit community in Denver when she encountered a friend uh, and a rugby player, Jillian Potter, one day at the gym. Potter recognized Lauren's strength and power right away and started asking her questions leading up to urging Gibbs to try out for the U.S. bobsledding team, which really, I mean, if it hadn't been for Jillian Potter, probably wouldn't have occurred to her. But she had played on the U.S. rugby team with Myers-Taylor and saw that Gibbs had the strength, speed, and power to be a brakeman from Myers Taylor at the time, who was also in bobsledding. Wow, what a story. <laughs> I mean, talk about a come up story. And it's like meeting all the right people who encouraged her in all the right ways at all the right times really is kind of why she is where she is, it sounds. Right. And her first reaction in the gym was, quote, 
I'm like, no one bobsleds. That's just not <laughs> something people do. It's right. I mean, that's what I would think. Like, bobsledding is something that you people just don't grow up thinking is a thing that people do. Right. And this incredible bobsledder yeah. is no different. It's not like she grew yeah. up wanting to be a bobsledder. <laughs> exactly. So after doing some research, Gibbs went on to Colorado Springs, the training center there to learn more. And she's like, oh, okay, this is like in the Olympics. And, you know, at the time, she was connecting with Myers, who was already a two-time Olympic medalist, so she knew she was in good hands. And then it was years of intense, competitive, physical training and competitions in the World Cup level for her to really get there. But that meant walking away from her MBA corporate job, right? Like, walking away from that kind of stability to pursue this all out. So I could not be more excited that that initial meeting between Alana Myers-Taylor and Lauren Gibbs went swimmingly and seemed to go well. Uh, they were on the right track, oh, one might even say. No, you didn't. <laughs> I did. Oh, God. Uh, I couldn't make a swimming reference and then not get it right. Okay, so I'm excited to be cheering them on, especially seeing someone like Lauren Gibbs, who I've known for so long, just rise up in this bobsledding world. So get excited, y'all. What a story. Right? Let's hear more of those stories after a quick break. And we're back, just getting pretty excited talking through some of these awesome, rad women of color on skates, on sleds, on skis, all of that good stuff. One of whom is Erin Jackson. Erin will be the first black woman to compete for the U.S. in a long track speed skating, which is freaking awesome. Yeah. Again, Erin is someone who really kind of took to this sport. A fun fact about her is that she just sort of didn't get her start skating at all. She was initially a roller derby champion and just four months into speed skating, nailed it and qualified, which <laughs> is crazy. Absurd. She still skates with the new Jacks City Rollers out of Jacksonville, where she's from. At just 25 years old, she only had four months of speed skating on the ice before making it to the U.S. speed skating trials in early January. She really, at the time, said she hoped to someday make it to the Olympics. And boom, there she is. Again, that just shows what can happen when you try new things and try something out. The same way we were talking about how you might not grow up thinking that bobsledding is a thing that you do, but if you try it, you never know. And so I love that Jackson maybe thought of herself as a derby girl, rocking her skates on the rink and just tried it, tried trying out those skills on the ice, and it was really successful. I also think it's important to note that the same thing that we were talking about earlier in the show about how you don't really see many women of color out there in winter sports, Jackson is pretty keenly aware of this. She's quoted as telling time, it's a pretty exciting thing, especially since you don't see many people of color in Winter Olympics. And again, not only is she aware that she's sort of breaking barriers in that way, but who knows what her presence in the Winter Olympics will do. I'm so excited to see the legacy that these women have made reverberate through history and through time. And I do not doubt that they will be responsible single-handedly for changing the game. Absolutely. Don't you think that there must be a lot of women out there and people in general out there who are like potential Olympic athletes who've just gone undiscovered. Oh my God, yes. It just, like, it's just hitting me how are true that Are you saying has that maybe I'm a potential Olympic athlete you who's never undiscovered know. because of racism and systematic barriers? <laughs> and gendered bias, yes. Oh my God. That could be it. That's exactly what I'm going for. for All right, this. well, just, BRB, Bridge is about to go try yeah, out for an Olympic trial. See you in four years for the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tune in. 
I love it. So the, there's another incredible speed skater that we have to mention as we're talking about Aaron Jackson, and that is Mame Biney, who is, I'm convinced, the happiest human being I have ever seen in my life. I've ever seen on TV. When I was watching the opening ceremonies, because I do, because I'm an Olympic nerd and I love that stuff, um, they interviewed Mame and just the kind of beaming smile and effervescent personality that was coming through made me lean in and want to know everything I could about her. And the more tape I watch of Mame, the more you will see, like, she is 100% this overjoyed every time there's a microphone in her face. Granted, because she's crushing barriers, and she's absolutely dominating in her field. So let's take a listen in to the interview she gave right after succeeding in the qualifying trials that would determine whether or not she would make it to the Olympics. It's crazy awesome because like I've dreamt about this moment for like since June and I I am just so happy right now she's completely losing it with joy which I absolutely love you have to watch Mame Biney on video to get the full effect but she is just the most overjoyed grateful fierce competitor I've ever seen interviewed Yeah, I love the effervescence that she gives off. Like, how do you listen to her speak and not feel happy? It's so easy to root for someone when they seem genuinely excited to be doing their craft and genuinely stoked to be doing it so well. So I'm I'm really rooting for her. And again, I just think it goes to show how when you give Black women and Black girls a chance, they nail it. And it's just amazing. It's amazing for everybody. And so we need to be inspiring and lifting up and encouraging and all of that to make sure that we have more Mamie Bailey's out there. Exactly. And I think she kind of knows that what, you know, what kind of an importance her presence at the Olympics is serving. She says, quote, I am super honored to be able to be part of this because I know that us African-American girls and women haven't been able to be in this situation before. I'm really honored to inspire other women, African-American or any other race, to get out there and do what you can to succeed. So it's no coincidence to me that almost every woman that we've talked about so far, when asked, what does this mean to you? How are you feeling? They all throw it back to that, that I understand that there are not that many of us out there. And that's why it's so important for me to be here. I think that it's so interesting and not at all surprising that each and every one of them seems so keenly aware of what it means that they're there. Absolutely. And, I mean, she is breaking down barriers. She's becoming a first. Biney is the first black woman to qualify for the short track team, following Shawnee Davis, the first black male athlete to make the short track team back in 2002. So we've got Erin Jackson, the first black woman to serve on the speed skating team for the long track. And in the same year, Mame Viney, the first black woman on the short track. It's just an amazing year full of firsts. And it shouldn't go without being mentioned that Mame turned 18 just days before the opening ceremony of the Games on January 28th making her the youngest member of Team USA's speed skating team as well. God, can you imagine? A lot of firsts. A lot of firsts. Can we say this might be one of the most historic Black History Months ever? Right? I'm telling you, last Black History Month opened with Beyonce performing at the Super Bowl. This one is opening with all these amazing Black women killing it at the Olympics. And Black Panther. And Black Panther. So it's it's been a, it's been a good February. It's been, it's been a, a good, good February. Black History Month, y'all. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we've got more wildly awesome women of color at the Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. 
we're back and we are talking through some of the incredible women of color at this year's Winter Olympics who are representing Team USA. And we were just mentioning how incredibly young Mame Baini is at 18 years old. She just turned 18 a few days before the opening ceremonies. Now, one of my favorite performances to watch at the Olympics thus far has been the halfpipe. Um, the snowboarding halfpipe is just an incredible feat to watch. The way that those athletes make it seem so effortless as they're floating through the air and trying to stick their landings on the way down only to soar once again gives me chills, especially as someone who does on occasion fly down a mountain on a pair of skis. I just cannot imagine doing what these snowboarders are doing on the halfpipe. And the one you have to watch if you missed it is Chloe Kim, who already earned a gold medal on Tuesday morning. And in doing so, basically realized this American immigrant dream. I love the way that she was talking about her parents who immigrated to the United States from South Korea only to go watch their incredible, profound daughter compete at the Olympic Games in South Korea. It seems like this coming home American story. And that vibe was totally, totally on display after her win. After she won, her father reportedly pointed to himself and kept shouting, American dream, American dream. And it honestly gives you chills because that is the American dream, right? That we all are Americans and that we can all represent our country. And no matter where what our origin story is or where we come from, we're all Americans united. And it just it's I don't often feel that sort of patriotic, rah-rah, warm, fuzzy feeling, but I definitely got it then. Yeah. I mean, Chloe says it herself. She says, quote, my dad has definitely sacrificed a lot for me. And I don't know if I could do it if I were in his shoes, leaving your life behind and chasing your dream because your kid is passionate about this sport. I think today I did it for my family and I am so grateful for them. As, as it turns out, Jong Jin, her father, prodded Chloe to jump on a snowboard when she was only four years old. And nearly a decade ago, he quit his job as an engineer to help his precocious daughter reach glory on the slopes. Her parents frequently drove Chloe from their home in Torrance, California, to Mammoth Mountain, where she trains a six-hour car ride. Wow. That just goes to show you that oftentimes when these athletes win, it isn't just a win for them. It's a win for their entire family, right? It's a win for your dad who quit his job and got up early to drive you to practice and all of that. And I just love seeing these athletes reaffirm that. It's it's so beautiful. And it just reminds you how behind every athlete is a village of some kind or another, or a family who has made their athletic dream possible by shuttling their kid around or by getting them on the slopes or by making those opportunities a priority. And it's just incredible. And beyond that, something that's been really heartwarming to see is how that community, that village, in a lot of these cases, is often other athletes. It's other athletes lifting each other up and getting them there and, and lifting as they climb. Aww. It's really a beautiful story about how athleticism really is a tapestry of support. Just really, it's really something. It is a beautiful story. And if you have missed it, like I said earlier, you have to go back and see Chloe Kim's performance. On her very first run, she landed a score above 93 out of 100. I mean, I'm no sportscaster here, but she was landing tricks that I can't even pronounce. And the entire rest of the competition was struggling to keep up with her scores after Chloe's first run. But by the time that her final take on the halfpipe came around, 
she was already gold medal secure. She was free to take a victory lap, but instead, she added an extra exclamation point, as NBC described it, by landing her most technical sequence of tricks, the back-to-back 1080s. The combination of a frontside 1080 into a cab 1080 in the middle of her run And her final score from judges came in at 98.25, which is insane, making her officially the new Olympic champion. I love her. You have like a girl crush on her. I do have a girl crush on her. She's just so California cool. Everything about her is like so effortlessly cool. And she's like the epitome of snowboarder chic in in every way possible. What is snowboarder chic? Well, I'm a skier. So it's not me. Um, <laughs> we, snowboarders are like the way cool, laid back, like, you know, shredding on the slopes without even looking like you're breaking a sweat kind of cool people. Um, at least some of them are. Some of them are very annoying as a skier. But Chloe is like the epitome of just effortless perfection. And it's amazing to watch her. And I don't want to say that to detract from all the effort that went into it, because clearly she busted her butt. But that's the thing. She makes it look easy. She Something does. that takes an incredible amount of training and skill and poise and yes. talent. She makes it look easy. She makes it look like anyone could get out there and do it. Yeah, she's amazing. And speaking of making things on the snow and ice look effortless, we would be remiss to not mention Mirai Nagasu. Now, Mirai made history when she became the first American woman at the Olympics to land the coveted and notoriously difficult triple axel. And she did so making it look like it was nothing, like it was the easiest thing in the world. You know, just a vision of poise and athleticism. And again, it shows you how difficult these things are, how much training and talent and skill and strength they take. These women do it and they make it look so easy. Yeah, it's an incredibly tough skill because the triple axel is the only jump in which the skater flies into the air while facing forward, requiring a three and a half rotation before landing. Only two other women in the entire world throughout history have ever completed such a feat at the Olympics. The two others being from Japan, Midori Ito and Mao Asada. Something that I love that Nagasu said about her win is that she said, this is definitely history or herstory, whatever way you want to put it. And again, (laughs) it just goes to show these women know that they are breaking barriers out there and how important that is. I think it's interesting how each and every one of these women, they're not just out there doing it for themselves. They're doing it for all of us. And they're keenly aware of how significant their presence is. I love that. She finished with a 137.53 overall score, which was the second best of the ladies free skate, helping Team USA to win a bronze for the team event in figure skating. When speaking to the press after her win, she said, quote, I knew in my heart that this day would come. I love that. Don't you kind of want to be best friends with all of these women? Yes. I mean, I saw her performance live, too. It was beautiful. It was absolutely astounding. And the Los Angeles native has competed in the Olympics before. She was at the 2010 Olympic Games in Vancouver, where she finished fourth. So she has a long history of crushing it at the Olympics. And it's just wonderful to see such a poised, incredible athlete like her absolutely nail this incredibly hard trick under all of that pressure with all of those eyeballs, making this Olympics her moment to shine. I can't even imagine, beyond the physical strength this takes, the mental and emotional poise you would have to have 
I certainly la- do not have it. <laughs> I mean, well, we've talked about the world of figure skating and how hard it is to be a fierce athlete and ladylike throughout the whole competition with Tanya Harding's up. Yeah, it's just a good reminder how it's often this tightrope of balancing so many things, mental, emotional, physical, you know, looks, this, that. And some of these women do it and they do it so well. It's just almost hard to fathom. Absolutely. It's amazing. Well, I hope you have enjoyed walking through with me some of the most incredible women of color competing at this year's Olympics. I certainly have enjoyed watching them get up there and prove to the world that women can do anything and that we need more women of color in these arenas. Totally. So go out there and encourage the women of color in your life to do whatever they want, whether that's bobsledding or ice skating or whatever, skiing, snowboarding. Let's build a culture that says it's okay for women of color to do those things. I love it. So tell us, Smendy listeners, who are the women that are inspiring you this Olympic season? Because we know we couldn't have mentioned them all. These are just some of our favorites we wanted to shine a spotlight on. Hit us up on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Send us a snap of the Olympic dreamers in your world on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You. And as always, our inbox is open at MomStuff at HowStuffWorks.com. Thank you.